0: Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another episode with your host, David J. Harris Jr. And today, friends, I have uh, a gentleman that I've met, a gentleman that a good friend of mine, one of my prayer intercessors actually said, you need to meet this man. I think you guys would would uh, would connect on a great level. We connected at a couple events over the last uh, year, and he's somebody that I I would like to call a friend, and definitely a friend of this current administration, uh, and a friend of of uh, the police. He's somebody that has trained law enforcement officers. We uh, got into it a little bit, not in a bad way, but just in open dialogue, which I think is so needed in today's culture more open, honest dialogue, listening to what the other person has to say and share and trying to understand why they share that. Uh, I shared a video where um, Rashard Brooks was shot and killed by police just recently after tussling with the police, after flinging one of the cops over his shoulder, punching one of them in the face, took his taser from him, took it from a police officer, took off and ran, then pointed that taser behind him as he was running, shot that taser at an officer and was then fatally shot himself by the police. It led to mass rioting in uh, the city of Atlanta in Georgia and so many people are jumping on the bandwagon. So many, so many people are saying, oh, it's more, you know, proof that cops are racist. They're shooting black people for no reason. I, I say that's hogwash. Race had nothing to do with it. This guy was belligerent, drunk, shouldn't have resisted arrest, and that wouldn't have led to his, uh, his untimely demise. He'd still be alive. He'd woken up the next day in jail in a drunk tank and would have had to handle whatever ju- judgment was laid down for him. But, uh, Victor, and in the video I actually shared, maybe less force could have been used maybe i don't know officers should be should be taught to shoot in a leg or shoot somewhere that may not kill the individual victor had a little different take on that and so i'm going to uh i'm going to read his bio but i'm going to go ahead and bring victor on right now and uh and then i'll read his bio because it's a good one and i want everybody to hear it but thank you so so much victor marks for joining me today my brother how are you doing
1: doing great thank you david for having me on appreciate you appreciate your stand you take the courage that you consistently display and uh, your ability to provide civil discourse it's it's needed in this day and age
0: well thank you brother that's what i try to do and your bio is pretty amazing i'm going to read it for everybody here you are a high-risk humanitarian with successful missions in iraq syria north africa and southeast asia many times in non-permissive and high-threat environments helping orphans and widows. I mean you you're like the modern day Robin Hood uh except you're dealing with some very very uh very ferocious and uh evil individuals severely abused and tortured as a child by the time you graduated from high school uh his lifestyle was filled with drugs, fights and theft. The discipline of military life and his faith helped him recover from his traumatic childhood and empowers him to help others. Today, Victor focuses his attention to the plights of those affected by ISIS, troubled juvenile offenders, and supporting military personnel from all branches, including special operations community. So Victor, you you know what you're talking about when it comes to violence, when it comes to police violence, when it comes to uh violent threats. I mean, dealing with ISIS and non-permissive zones, if you had been caught, I'm sure you would have been ca- tortured and, you know, decapitated or any of those things. You you've been in the thick of it. Uh, fighting for orphans, fighting for children. So I, I want to honor you and commend you for that, my brother. Thank you so much for the life that you've chosen to lead. I know it hasn't been an easy one, but uh, it's been one very worth worth living, and, and we should all honor you for that.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate the kind words, and it's an honor to do what we do. And I'm surrounded by great team members um, and a lot of people praying for us who support our work. As well, and uh, again, it's it's an honor and privilege to do what we do.
0: Well, again, I'm so thankful for it. Uh, so I, I shared in that video yesterday. Obviously, this is all over mainstream media right now. Rashard Brooks uh, getting shot by that police officer. We've seen the video. We've seen the footage. We've seen the story behind it. Um, you know, he was drunk. He resisted arrest. He tried to run. He wound up tussling with two police officers. Flipped one of them over his shoulder. Uh, took his taser, jabbed one of them, threw a jab and struck one of the officers in the face before he then turned and ran. Now the, the, discrepancy the division between so many people there's so many people on the conservative side that are saying well you know what uh, he was using uh, he was right to use excessive force the cop was right to shoot him because he fired a taser at him I know a good friend of mine Brandon Tatum ex-officer he actually said you know it's if the if the taser would have hit a cop uh, then it could have decapacitated the, ta- the, the, the police officer and then there could have been you know more damage done to the officer my my take on that is well, there were two officers. There was one guy. He was running away. Potentially, maybe less excessive force, maybe less deadly force could have been used on this guy that was just being arrested for DUI. Uh, what is your take on, on the whole thing? Could have been less excessive force. Was it was it uh, right? Rightly used. What's your take?
1: Well, I can only give my perspective from you know uh, years of training law enforcement and working in and with criminal elements uh on a number of levels right uh but i can't give a position of a law enforcement officer yeah um and those situations are very unique each and every one but what i can say with a level of confidence is that there could have been a different outcome and there'll be lots of speculation you know Uh, Back to the point where the gentleman shouldn't have been drinking, shouldn't have passed out, right? Uh, The whole conflict could have been avoided, uh, but it wasn't. So what could be done different? Um, uh, One, I commend the officers for doing what I believe they felt was best. I don't think there was nefarious actions. I don't think there was any aspect of racism. You can listen to the conversation. And the uh, the initial officer is polite and he's respectful um, and everything was going pretty good until the moment, until the moment he went to arrest him and put hands on. And that's when things turned sideways. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. he would still be alive
0: today had, had he just allowed those officers to do their job and arrest somebody that fell asleep drunk while in the car while still in a drive-thru, uh, at a, at a, at a Wendy's. I mean, he, he would right. still be alive had he just held his own, you know, held up to his own responsibilities, owned up to his own responsibilities. He'd still be alive. Period.
1: Agreed. I mean, agreed. So what could have been done different once, you know, once the step was taken to arrest the gentleman? well, I would say this, and again, I'm going to get different perspectives from uh, everything from uh, a perspective of special operations community, guys who have served, done a lot of apprehending, hunting, and killing, to uh, standard law enforcement that must abide by policies and procedures. Uh, that's that's how they operate, right? And um, so, one... I believe if the officer would have put the gentleman in a constrained or restricted hold through a risk control lock, that might have detoured him possibly from bouncing. But when you go to put cuffs on someone, no matter how compliant they've been up until that point, when people feel metal or know, wow, I'm about to get arrested, a lot of times that, that's the moment when things start to happen, Right. And I think uh, from a martial arts standpoint or control tactics or rest tactics, he should have put him in a, in a very secure wrist hold while he was cuffing him. I didn't see that happen. That would have been yeah, I
0: didn't than, see that happen either.
1: Yeah. To, and,
0: and, I, and I know the hold you're talking about because I haven't always been the uh, the good individual that I am right now. I actually did get a DUI back in 2000, uh, barely blew blew over the legal limit back then, but I remember that feeling when that officer put my wrist in a locking position where I really couldn't move, and uh, then the cuffs right. went on, and I went in the car.
1: Yeah. You know, we're dealing with suspects, whether you're in the, the, the military, in a combat zone, police, law enforcement, or a civilian in self-defense. You know, there's different ways to, to operate and and we have different rules, right? I mean, I'm, I'm actually a lot more freer to use force in a way if I feel threatened in the street than actually a police officer because there's under so much scrutiny. And that's, if there's one thing I want people to realize today is that I believe Training and policies should be different than what they are right now, mm-hmm. right now, because what you end up having uh, is two officers trying to gain control of a this suspect, and it started getting bad real quick. Here's how, for your viewers and listeners, here's how it could have been different if one of the officers would have been allowed to apply a corona restrain hold meaning applied pressure to stop the blood from going to the brain for just a small amount of time it would have rendered him unconscious there wouldn't have been fighting there wouldn't even been used to pull out a taser the guy wouldn't have run away he would have been unconscious long enough for the officers to handcuff him and then he would come to easy enough and yet right now in our country I mean, I, I just I just saw some reports. There's a massive movement to take away any type of uh, courted re, uh, restraint holds on yeah. people because of what happened. Now, this is largely due to people being ill-informed and people making policy that really don't know what they're talking about. Talk to the officers. Talk to the people who have boots on the ground doing the deal and say, what do you best need? to make the best arrest, the safest, and allows you to protect yourself and your gun, right? Because officers, once they're always going hands-on, they're always concerned about the weapon, and you can't just roll around all day. But I'll tell you, there is a systemic problem, I would say, in law enforcement overall, with the lack of training, uh, extensive training, for both groundwork, arrest tactics, really equipping them to be ready to do the deal. And yeah. I would say this, under the Obama uh, era, a lot of police tactics were changed, just like military, some policy. And and I don't think it was in the best interest of not only the police, but the community. Because when someone's not able to do their job most effectively, everyone then becomes at a greater risk of a negative outcome. So I do believe that if we started rolling back this movement to, to keep officers from using and being trained in a way that would help them overcome, uh, you know, using some of the best techniques, I believe, are out there. It, here's my point. It, you know, every, everybody's making a big hoo-ha about, uh, again, neck restraints, to, you know, it's very, It's not against the wind it's not against the air pipe it's against the blood how many guys have died in the MMA world over the last 20 years because of a, a well applied you know a restraint hold yeah none it's, that I know of you know uh, yeah right it's because they have proper training they're professional what they do yeah, yeah, they you know where they'll I let go. To a good friend today, yeah, who has made many, many arrests uh, as a as a I would say a smaller uh, stature fella uh, against big guys in the hood, right? And but he was a Marine. He has black belt in jujitsu, and it really just came over when it comes time to put hands on for a safe, effective arrest. Uh, because he has knocked out so many guys uh, just with a properly applied, uh, uh, again pressure against the sides of the neck, not the throat. And
0: yeah, uh, chokehold. It's
1: it's and, it's like a chokehold. Yeah, we even try to be careful with the semantics of it. Because I know. I can tell. It it, it makes people. Why well, you're going to choke him? So we call it. You know, there's different names corded restraint. Yeah. Um, but it is very look. You know uh, I, I've been in a tussle or two uh, over a number of years uh, and I'll tell you it's much easier to get a person uh, compliant through the, the I call it the anesthesia effect because <laughs> they basically go to sleep and they'll wake up thinking I've had guys wake up going where where am I uh, uh, I thought I was at my grandmother's house riding a bicycle. Go, oh, you could have been, but you're here now. Uh, and I, I even had a the character character show up to my home one time, and uh, and attack me. Right? They knocked on the wrong door. Well, it, 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 it you know, I would have just rather enjoyed my coffee without you know a little bit of exercise that morning. But I, you know, I. I didn't want to just start pounding this guy. And he was, he was a very capable fighter. But the problem is he had been, he got, you know, he, I think he'd been liquored up all night by the time we got to my house on that liquor courage. And, and, uh, and here's the deal. I put him in this restraint hold. I had him on the ground. I said, Hey man, you need to, you need to calm down. You know, Hey, I, I ain't got nothing against you. He he was just he had heard about me and whatever, he'd come to fight. He just and he just he literally said,
0: came to your house to look for a fight because he was all liquored up and thought he was bad and wanted to go yeah. pick a pick a fight with somebody that is a real badass.
1: Well, I you know I, uh, th- that's arguably a statement where I you know I just say I I feel like more like Mister Bean with a little bit of training uh, over my <laughs> lifetime, but. Um, I put him in this hole, and I'm like, "Hey, man, you, you need to you need to really you need to stop, rethink this." And he goes, "You cannot choke me. I've learned the secrets of power of my neck and throat." <laughs> you cannot, and I'm and I've got him like this. I'm going really, and he goes. <laughs> so, so he went to hit me, and I, you know, boom, he was asleep. And when he came to David, he instantly He goes. I told you. I told you you couldn't put me out. And I said, oh, well, you were. He got up, and he came at me again. And this time, put him on the ground, put him out, live a little bit longer, because you can, you know, there's good control. And then I actually pulled him across my property, leaned him against a fence, and then just kind of tapped his face. And when he woke up, he goes, I told you you couldn't. and he started looking around. I said, yeah, we were on that side a few minutes ago. I said, uh, you know, uh, wow, we need to stop this nonsense before somebody gets really hurt. You know, and, and, and to his cred, the next day he called me, he said, thank you for not taking advantage of me. He goes, mm. I was drunk and you put me out twice and you could have rearranged me pretty good. Uh, But you didn't. I said, well, I'd rather not, you know. And, again, this goes back to good training. I had good training, and I love passing that training on. And officers need that. I mean, most officers will go to the range to qualify, and they're shooting maybe, depending on the department, six times a year. But, I mean, they won't go in the dojo or the training hall to practice and train for rest techniques, you know, weaponless uh, control. And that's, I mean, that that's a huge problem. And I'm telling you, if those two guys had been trained better or if the policy of the department allowed them to use certain techniques in weaponless defense, this would have turned out different. It wouldn't have escalated, you know. Yeah. And um, so, th- I mean, that's my main point. And while there's a huge movement to defund um, police uh which which will be an absolutely horrible decision. Oh if our country if our country doesn't if our politicians, if our people, if our leaders, including pastors who have a voice, if people don't stand up and start saying, No, this isn't gonna happen. Uh, uh, we're gonna be in a world of hurt. And um You know, people worried about the the zombie, you know, attack. I go, we've lived it overseas. We've lived in areas where ISIS has decimated everything. Literally the last pump into Iraq, my wife and I, we led a team into Syria to an ISIS confinement camp. Wow. And uh, again, we're trying to do counter messaging to help women and children come out of this mindset uh, so they don't turn around and, you know, do horrible things. But in America, there are people who do not have the best motives in mind for Americans. And that's what we all have to remember. Yeah. One thing nobody's talking about, David, and I'll tell you, is ISIS terrorists really, they really excel in times of chaos. Mm. And United States, had, everybody had better had better stay awake uh, for what can happen. Because I'll tell you, if bad things happen, a lot of these young people who are in these protests who really don't give a flip about the black community because you just ask them, well, were you friends before? Will uh, Will you be friends after? Or is this just a way for you to, you know, exude your youthfulness in ridiculous ways? I went to a protest when they were tearing down a statue in New York. They were tearing down statues in New York. And actually, some of my team members, we were walking through, and I had my dog, and cops were everywhere. And I went, well, I think I'll go join the protest. And I walked (laughs) in the middle, and I sat down with a group of these, you know, pretty committed protesters. And I had my dog, and we sat down. And I go, hey, uh, what are y'all protesting and they go, the the statue. We want that statue torn down. I said, Oh wow. Well where is it? And they were like, Well, we think it's over on like fifty third or somewhere. We no no they didn't where even it know. is, but Yeah. And all these cops are in right gear and I said, Wow I said, I really like y'all's moxie. I mean, y'all are out of here very committed. They're like, Yes, yeah and I said, You know what? We need y'all's we need y'all's energy and youthfulness. In Because we go to camps where kids and women have been abused and tortured and hurt and refugee and IDPs. And we need y'all to come over there and show some love to these people who really need it. And they were like, really? I go, yeah. Wouldn't you want to make a difference in someone's life right away? And again, I think most of this, you know, I tell people I'm not a fan of the Black Lives Matter organization uh, or movement. But I do appreciate the message. They're wanting better, and I'm always to help people do better. But you've got to base your goals on on truth and not just perception, because perception mm. is the is people's reality, and it can really skew what needs to be done. So, um, and keep issues separate. You know, um, I really believe that the law enforcement. Right now they need our support more than anything.
0: Absolutely. When
1: you, when you have officers walking off the job because leadership is not covering them, not protecting them, you got a problem. And I think if anything needs to change in law enforcement is is better leadership because the politics and the, the pressure that certain leaders feel, many of them turn, many of them turn weak. And if you're gonna turn weak, how do you protect and support your 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 troops out on the front line? So that's one thing. Another thing, I, I really do think training, there should be a accountability level and a change in training uh, structure where police officers who are going to be on the street, in contact with people, need to be able to handle themselves well. Need, yeah. I mean, you know, we, I think we've hired a lot of people to be guards Mm. and not warriors and you need Mm. warriors out there. And, um, uh, men and women who go, Hey, the moment I put that belt on or get into that car move, I, I need to be able, ready and able to scrap to be able to get a person under control to protect themselves, the public or myself. Right. So, we're lacking that. Uh, people, we've we've done a lot of training in certain aspects of, you know, sensitivity training, but sometimes you know you got to be able to hurt people's feelings to to protect them from hurting others, and I think we lack like that sorely. So most law enforcement people I know, really, I the ninety nine percent, I would say, is a is accurate uh they work hard they do their job but without support without i would say better funding for what will matter and helping them our country's going to be in a hurt lock for sure
0: now you said something a minute ago you said uh that obama underneath the obama administration he had made some changes uh in policies that actually hurt or damaged uh the police and what they were able to do can you expound on that
1: Yeah, police and military. Let's start with uh, this aspect, uh, because right now uh, I travel to military bases and I speak on resiliency, spiritual fitness, and I help both uh, active duty who are uh, training new recruits and then I speak to the actual recruits because a lot of people don't realize just in the army, they change their training cycle they almost doubled the amount of time it takes to create a soldier hmm. because of what culture and society has produced in a lot of young people. Let, let's let start there, okay? So uh, in, in the old days, like when I went through the Marine Corps back, uh, actually, my commander in chief was President Reagan. So... <clears throat> That wow. dates me, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> tell people we use uh, gunpowder and wagon wheels to uh, do our assaulting. But <laughs> it, you, you know what? Young people coming into the military today, they don't have resiliency. So if you yell mm-hmm. at them, if you you know <clears throat> put pressure on them, they collapse. If right. you go, you know, yell at them, <clears throat> they go, I know. And then they, they quickly go to this suicidal mentality. Well, I'm not going to make it, and I can't. Hmm. So I'm helping to retrain the approach to getting better results from the cadre and people who have to work with the next generation right? And uh, I think policing uh, under the Obama administration, just like he did to the military, he really gutted and took away the power of spirituality. Hmm. the the incredible like the chaplaincy corps he, he, he really undid them and did not allow them to do their job. So, uh, hey, I believe we need to love everybody, but our love's gotta be based in truth. Yes. And, um, you know, this moral relativism doesn't work. So what's true for me, but doesn't have to be true for you. No, there's gotta be a baseline of what's right and wrong. And, um, you know, otherwise <clears throat> crazy things happen just like prayer was taken out of school now we started our ministry you know almost 20 years ago reaching children kids teens who've been incarcerated in our country and i mean we've we've given away probably close to 100,000 copies of my book or my story because it relates to them but i remember how odd it was where i couldn't go into a public school and talk about god because of the change of society but youth prisons with felons—I mean, they would tell me, "Hey, if you want to talk about God, Jesus, anything you want." And I thought, well, I think if we would have done more about talking about God and giving morals and, and <clears throat> in the public school system, there'd be less kids here. Absolutely, and there'd be uh, you know less broken families. So, yeah, I I wasn't a fan of a lot of policies that uh, President Obama put into place, and. Um, and yet, I think we're able to change, um, change the direction that we've been in the area of spirituality. Again, <laughs> I think faith will make a big difference in uh, in police forcing. I mean, I just got a text this morning saying, Victor, our our police department, where this particular text came from, they go, you know, our officers need help with just mental health, right? Hmm. so one of the things that we excel in uh, is trauma based recovery healing both for vets civilians, law enforcement and people who encounter like someone just sent me a text an officer that's been on point up in the Seattle area with all that stuff uh, a veteran is struggling more mentally now emotionally than his tours overseas Wow! because it's it's so messed up. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you, we need to bring faith in as a component to help law enforcement. Uh, we need to build resiliency. Uh, and we need to reward people who stand in the gap between the manifestation of evil uh, and us. We need to reward them through pay, through letting it be known it's a great career that's honorable to be in. And then those who are in it that shouldn't be well it's just like uh, being in any specialized unit you, you know you may get in it but doesn't mean you're gonna stay in it and there needs to be that real honest self- policing and it's hard because you get chided working against just negative people every day every you know and then you want to protect your own uh, but we, we need to get to a place to where a level of Professionalism is not only required, but it's demanded uh, so that officers um, are in a better place to do their job better. Again, to training, I think better pay, better selection, qualification, uh, even outside sourcing to come in to have a a third party assess their arrest tactics, their control techniques. you know that's outside of the department to make people go. Well, I need to pass that, and this may hurt some people's feelings, and um, and that's okay. But you know what, cops that are out of shape, they 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 need to not be on the street. You know, they if they if they're long Amen. and or young and out of shape, they need they need a we need better rigorous fitness. Um, for, and I'll give you I, I, I don't want to I'll just say this I assisted a uh, an officer <clears throat> um, not long ago uh, and I'm branding a suspect they were in a fight and the officer was about to draw his weapon and I just happened to be there and my dog a Kenan, uh, at the right time <clears throat> and uh, the, the assisting officer who came on the scene he was, he was in the chase, but he was a long way away. And <laughs> this this very good man, <clears throat> probably had a number of years in, and I respect him. But by the time he got to where we were, he, his, his breathing was so labored, he's hunched over, and he literally couldn't even assist. And he pulls cuffs out and hands them to me and says, Can you cuff the guy? I go, wow! Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> and again, you know, at a certain point, you have to do self-assessment. I mean, I'm currently uh, on a five-week getaway writing a book with uh, co-writing this book, Chad Robichaud, who was in special operations and marine, and runs an incredible organization, um, Mighty Oaks, and and he's also uh, a founding. Chairman of Faith-Based Service Alliance, right, for veterans, huh. which is new that I'm part of. And we're writing a book on leadership in the, the first point, which is we're basing on 11 principles of Marine Corps. Leadership is self-assessment, you know, self-awareness. you you got to be able to really ask yourself. And, and men get prideful or we get stuck in a system that, you know, doesn't keep us at our peak but allows for diminished uh, professionalism, both physically and mentally, and and in the job of law enforcement, you can't. And and I, look, I'll just tell them myself, because <clears throat> uh, you know there there was a situation uh, not long ago where ISIS was still active in a location in Iraq, and we were going in to to help uh, specifically women and children, but we were in a, a very heated combat zone and. And uh, some of our team, as needed, will wear proper kit or carry weapons to defend ourselves. Uh, we're not there to engage the enemy. that was never our goal, but sometimes we were forced to. and here's the point. I remember leaning against the wall, pulling on a AK mag and changing mags in, in a, uh, a weapon platform that I had. And I was struggling to get the magazine into the AK, you know magazine well. Uh, and it wasn't because of the way it's shaped it's because my hand and arm was so weak I had had compressed neck issues in my arm and atrophied so bad it was wow. hard for me to hold a cup of coffee and I remember trying to load this mag and you know what I sat there going what are you doing you've you you, need, you know, you've just become a liability for the team Wow, you, you're leading them but you gotta be honest with yourself you can't hide this anymore and actually after that pump, after that time in, I came back to the States and as I lead our organization and and by the encouragement of my wife. Thank said, God for godly times. and
0: bold and courageous women.
1: Oh man, thank goodness. Uh, yeah, I had <laughs> surgery and uh, was able to re- regain the strength and all that, so, the, but my point is just, you know, in any profession, especially where uh, people have to protect and serve the community, uh, law enforcement officers need to do honest assessments. Um, and, you know, and better training, better selection, qualification uh, will help them in what they do and better funding.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty scary that we're in a time right now where so many Democrats are pushing for defunding the police. And then to hear what you shared about your friend that reached out to you from Seattle a veteran, uh, LEO that is now more mentally distraught than when they spent time overseas, the mental drain and strain on our law enforcement officers, not only dealing with what's happening in their city, potentially in their own cities, but then having to hear what's taking place in other cities, that's gotta be a strain. And then to hear that politicians and city councils like in Minneapolis are voting to and pushing to defund the police um, it's it's putting the entire police department uh, across the country the the entire police force in jeopardy and then who's gonna want to join the police I mean you think about it another generation from now 10 20 years from now when people are, when law enforcement officers are retiring, Who right now out there is gonna wanna fill the shoes of a law enforcement officer to protect and serve their community when they see the way that law enforcement officers are being treated uh, and talked about today by the mainstream media?
1: I agree. You know, words create worlds, right, David? And uh, we need to be very careful what's communicated through our words and honor and courage And the level of commitment uh, that law enforcement officers take when they step in the job, we we need to celebrate that, right? We need to celebrate the 99% of encounters that they have with the public are are good and positive. And, you know, everything going on right now, it is a good time uh, because, like I wrote on my social media platforms, I said, I don't think this is going away anytime soon. Hmm. And uh, the incident in Atlanta, all it did was refuel what the antagonists want. And uh, we have to be solution oriented so that the future generations do have a very solid, respectable, honorable profession in law enforcement. Uh, yes, in all aspects. Now, you think about the SWAT team or the you know reaction teams that that have walked out and resigned because yeah. they didn't have great leadership. It, 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 the people who are going to pay for this are older people. Uh, y- you know, uh, me and my Single females. Single females. We're trained. I mean, my wife, we've literally learned to fight back to back, spiritually and physically. You know, we have black belts. We have training. We, w- w- you know, all of that. But the people are going to pay the price are those who aren't capable because nefarious criminals will they're they're just going to take advantage of all this so when you seek solutions leaders and people who even repost stuff they need to really think through what am i communicating what am i adding to is it solution oriented and i'll give you a great example i've got very good friends um who are in ministry at pastors and a, a good friend a fellow marine uh, he's been pastoring for years. Um, good guy, really good guy. We're in our conversation, and he said, Victor, you know, you better be careful because right now, if you're just posting on fatherlessness in the black community, uh, you know, black on black crime, uh, you know, these different things, he said, if you're only focusing on that at this particular time, although those are true issues, He goes, why don't you just weep with the black community over loss, over recognition of what problems there have been occurred. And he said, you know, it doesn't mean you have to give up truth, but can't you just hurt with us? And I said, absolutely. I said, it was never my intention to think not or not that I did. Even when I saw the officer, when I first reviewed that video of him being shot, I—they broke my heart. I mean, literally, I'm thinking this is this is a dad, this is a man, uh, he's a human soul, and if we don't go back to looking at people as created in the image of God, everyone has value, no matter left, right, black, white, rich, poor, whatever, Christian, yes. Muslim, atheist. If we don't look at people as being created in the image of God, then you become a terrorist organization in your mind. You mm-hmm. become a terrorist because there is no value, and um, you know. And it doesn't mean we appease, or, or because there's a lot of that going on. And I, I, I wish a lot more men in ministry would take a stand for what they blatantly know is not right, instead of just appeasing. But. Uh, to be solution-oriented, we, we we can't rule out love. And that's what I appreciate about you. You you bring it around to, hey, ultimately, what is this about, right? And uh, we're all going to die. And uh, it is our job to, um, you know, exhibit the love of Christ, uh, help men and women understand that they're loved and valued. And I think, Help them understand their identity. Guess one of the yes. biggest problems, right? Is who are you? Uh, the, does a cop feel the need because he was smacked in the face, or is taser taken? It, you know, is he really responding um, because he fears for this guy could hurt other people, or is he responding out of you're not going to do that to me and losing his anger? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know him, right? But I know yeah, that does happen, right? Uh, is was uh, was the gentleman who resisted arrest and fought and, and all that was did he was he transferring his anger against these two guys going this ain't going to happen to me you can't you know I, w- w- we don't know but I'll tell you we need to start looking at everybody as being humans and in help people find their identity and value should people be responsible for their actions all the time? Do I yes. believe in justice? Ask ISIS. As I sat in the Pentagon speaking to senior leadership, and they were asking me questions about certain aspects of leadership, and and uh, and I thought, well, why why are you guys asking me? And they go, well, you're the only one at the table that has an ISIS headband, and that you brought wow. back from Iraq. I thought, oh, well, I, yeah, okay, but you know. The, the basic core of leadership is we have to take care of people that are under us, people that work with us, people that look up to us. And then as a Christian, are we not supposed to show love even to our enemy? So uh, I, I yes. think that's a good starting place. Listen, hear, keep our boundaries, you know, hold people accountable. Uh, but uh, it's it's almost like in fighting. When you're really comfortable, and somebody's threatening you, it's not. It's it doesn't really get to you. Doesn't feel threatening. you knowing well. No, it's like well, there's only air and probably fear on your part in between. You know, and you, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had encounters where some guy wants to get with it, and I'm like, hey, I got scar tissue older than you, young man. What, why do you want to do this? You know, one or both of us end up in the hospital. I remember one guy came into one of my training centers, and he came in, he was ready to fight me. And uh, I was like, whoa. And he, he had his master behind him. It was like a movie, honestly. And uh, he goes, I'm here to challenge you. I saw you on TV, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, really? I said, well, what do I get out of it if I, if I win? And he goes, <laughs> you can say you beat me. I said, well, I've, I've had years of, you know, I've had years of all I want, you know. And I said, is there any other way out of this? Because you look pretty tuned up. He goes, well, you can yield. I said, yield? What, what does that mean? And I actually got him to sit down next to me. I said, can we sit down? I've just been working. I'm kind of tired. I got him to sit down, right? I'm de-escalating. Yeah. And then I used verbal judo. And I'm like, what should I? He says, well, yield. I said, what does that mean? He goes, you just say I yield, and then I win. I go, and we don't have to fight? He goes, right. I go, oh, I yield. (laughs) He jumped up, and he he bowed to me, and he shook my hand. He said, thank you, sir. And I I said, I think you're a little bit more worried than I was about all this. He walked out because he had, you know, so... You know, I, I, I think, too, it's, it wouldn't be a great thing if people in our culture really valued older people's wisdom. Absolutely. I mean, and, and insight, because there is so much the younger generation can draw down. If they just humble themselves and just listen. Yeah. I, that's been about me for my whole life. I mean, I've gone into, you know, care facilities for senior citizens. Don't know anybody and go to the little day room and go pull up a chair. Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, you know, uh, just start a conversation. What'd you do with your life? You wow. Know, tell me about you, you know? and Yeah,
0: there's a whole lot of, of sudden, wisdom in those fo- in those homes.
1: You. Oh, man, I would draw so much wisdom out of these people. Mm. And it was an honor for me. So, yeah, I, 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 I certainly think there's great things for the future, if uh, and again, I'll just speak to Christians uh, or people of moral values and faith. Uh, you know, you don't always have to pound a person to make something happen. You can use the anesthesia to accomplish what you want and 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 being able to get to a solution. So, you know, so we're good. we're building out a training center at Colorado Springs, and and uh, we're we're going to be offering training. Uh, all for, uh, for law enforcement, special operations, church security teams, husband and wives, men who want to come. And we'll teach everything from A to Z on how people can be better prepared. And really, remember, I'm always talking about finding their identity, be comfortable with who they are. And uh, and I think if we, if we start better selection and qualification in the law enforcement community and equipping those who are already there, Helping young guys become good warriors. Um, And what if, what if there's no other choice in many cities but to take some of the funding from, uh, you know, a department and reallocate it to develop some type of additional partnership with people who could do community policing? Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, what if that's not an option any longer? it will happen we have to think through some of these things and and be prepared to step into that position uh with well-trained people who can help you know they live in the community there's responsibilities accountability there's love there's you know there's there's there are more ways to do it and i think law enforcement knowing that the community respects them a lot more and is for them and they don't have to get out their car every time and wonder if this guy's going to jump out and shoot me. Uh, again, I've lived, I've lived some things overseas where I've sat down with a senior Islamic leader who signed the the, the doctor degree of the leader of ISIS, wow. and developed a relationship with him. Wow! And he was the one who took me to a place where persecuted Christians in Iraq had fled. And he walked me into this place and he said, these are your people. What are you gonna do? Wow. And we were able to get many, many Christian, persecuted Christian families who were fleeing, get them out of the country to a different country in the region safely. And so I, I just think good communication, civil dialogue, facts, not just perception of reality and uh, can help our country which is uh, in many ways imploding in different cities and we see it and you know um, I I think the grace of God and if people last thing I'll say I think if people Christians will humble themselves before God Mm. Almighty and turn from their wicked ways uh, things that they know are wrong Confess sin. I I used to be so racist, not toward blacks, but toward Arabs. Wow. Hated Arabs. Hmm. That's why I joined the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps the day after the baby bombing. Wow. And I hated Arabs. I wanted to kill them. And you can see videos on our website or our YouTube page where we're my wife and I have a house in Iraq a safe house where we were taking Muslim children in who had just been orphaned their parents killed and walking with them and feeding them and dancing with them and holding them at night you know uh, including our children two of our teenagers hmm. that we brought one summer to Iraq holding and playing with see and uh, and, the, and they would ask me Muslims would all ask me and they still do. Why are you here? What are you What are you doing? And I just say, well, God loves me. He gives me a love for y'all. He changed my heart because I used to just want to kill y'all. Wow. And, you tell him uh, that? I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk oh, about yeah. keeping it real. Well, he, 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 the first time I met the gentleman <laughs> who was a, uh, thought leader of over 300 million Muslims and whatnot. We said, do you know the first question I asked him? What? Because it was a very specific mission. I flew into Iraq and got out in, in uh, 72 hours because of the risk of this. I said, I went to him. The first question I asked him, I said, sir, do you want to cut my head off? Wow. And my, inter- my, my, my interpreter who had worked for Delta and I had a very good security team He looks at me and goes, I do not think this is the good thing to ask. I said, (laughs) ask him. (laughs) And he asked the guy, and and we call him the professor to keep his name out of everything. The professor leans back, and he just started laughing. He said, why would I want to cut your head off? I invite you here to speak to you. Why would I want to cut your head off? I said, well, that's what we're seeing on the news. Because it was right in the Haiti of ISIS beheading people. And I said, you know, that's what we're seeing. See the power of media, right? And he goes, I want to meet with you. I said, well, I'm interested. Why? Because, you know, this is, he goes, we've watched you for two years. And you care about our children. He goes, you are a man of the book. And you care about our children. So I want to help you. And he did. And uh, just between me and you, because I know no one else is watching this. (laughs) He, he, one day he asked me, he said, would you like to know where an ISIS training camp is? Wow. Wow. What would you like me to do with the information if you give it to me? He said, these are very wicked men. Wow. Very wicked. He said, they should die. I said, all right. I know I have some friends who that's what they do <laughs> for a living. And uh, man, and we help hurt the feelings. So you know, again, I all because I you were loving the same on the kids way. for years, Absolutely.
0: and he took notice. He couldn't help but notice.
1: Yep. So that's that's you know what's going to make the difference in our country with people who are hurting. 'cause I, I believe with all my heart that a lot of hurting people, um, and again, you know, I am wanting to be misunderstood to try to get a solution and help, but I, I think a lot of hurting people in the black community, uh, you know, they're transferring their anger. Yeah. Uh, it's a no, transference I agree. of anger. Yeah, bitterness. Culturally it's justified, it's very justified. But I think that the truth of it all it's it's not it's not righteous. That's right. It's it's uh, it, it and they're very nefarious groups. I got a, I got an encrypted text today from um, someone who uh, is the um, he leads uh, the he guards a very well known uh, person overseas in a Muslim country. He is the he's in charge of the guard. Uh, and he just said, Victor, he said, you do know there are other, there are other groups playing into this, trying to destroy America. Hmm. It's an insurgency. And I said, yes, I, I, I do realize that. Wow. And I really hope Americans wake up to understand it's it's more. So what do we do? We We must address pain and trauma for people who've experienced certain things. I've experienced... You you know uh, uh, Bad situations with law enforcement And Me too So I get it Right I mean
0: Yeah not just the uh, time I was Not just the time I was pulled over for drunk driving But I've been pulled over for no reason You know profiled and pulled over Had a gun pointed at my face And I walked away from every single one of those things Because I didn't resist I had nothing to hide And I said yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am And I complied and I don't hold any well, and, ill will towards and, the police.
1: And that's the reality. That's why when people go, you know, you know, I don't know why the black community is complaining. And I go, well, it, there's experience that would give them, you know, uh, and uh, but then we get in trouble. If the pendulum swings all the way and everybody goes, all, all police are battles. Like, well, you got to stop that. That's nonsense. Right. Um, well, our team had come back from Iraq. This wasn't long ago. And we were in a hotel and hotel security got a little excited. They called law enforcement. They came, because I have security guys and me and my wife, and we carry. I mean, it's it's all legal, but we uh, we have very, uh, very significant reasons why we do and how we carry ourselves, right? But anyway, boom, boom, knock on the door. And one of the officers was a young guy. Who knows? He may have been a training kid, and that may be, but he got aggressive and uh I mean talk about unprofessional and he really just was humiliating me in front of my wife so and so when she opened the door she's like what's going on he starts yelling at her get out of here you know and it was bad it was a bad situation. And I wow. just come back from Iraq. So you know I I was you feel a little wound tight and I was just like hey and thank goodness I prayed because I could have I mean, I I I could have launched into, you know, whole highly hell against this guy.
0: Yeah, an emotional response. But I
1: just thought it was very yeah, and you know all I could tell him was, hey, I'm one of the good guys. I don't know what you you know you don't know you run and thank the Lord that the older officer. He said, "What's your name?" And he goes were you ever had a certain police department training guys and i said yes he goes didn't you assist with the arrest of a guy as a civilian that and you were awarded the chief of police like special civilian "Uh, yeah he goes and i'm sorry stand up i was like okay and then the young guy you know his face white Blood drawn from like, dude.
0: <laughs> he thought he Blood had found himself him. a big-time drug dealer or something with all the ammunition and stuff. He thought he found himself that oh, way. Oh, my
1: goodness, yeah. And everything legal because the moment he, the moment, you know, he's like, well, I said, hey, I know why you're here. Uh, and that we we shouldn't have an issue, but he just got off. So, you know, people do have reasons because of life experiences. Right. And, again, you, you get a seasoned you know, order officer, he's, he's there for solutions. And Hey, you know, let's, uh, but that's why it's so important. I go back to, you know, good training, good leadership, fund them well for what they need. Um, and, and so that, that when they start making their encounters and contacts on the street, they they don't have a, an an insecurity and a fear that they have to, you know, Wow, and yeah,
0: okay. they can't be responding so, out of fear.
1: No, no. Or ego. Or ego. So.
0: Yeah, or yeah. ego. Well, I agree with you 100%, my brother. I think that we need a heck of a lot more special training that our officers need to go through. Uh, I, I stand with and I support all of our brothers and sisters in blue. We need uh, we need to support them with better funding, better pay, uh, and, uh, and then hope that they do what you said, hold themselves to a higher standard. Uh, above everything else. I, I'm really interested in your training facility in Colorado. I'd love to bring my wife out there and spend some time and go through your training course.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're, we're finishing. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of incredible. I'm not going to lie. This, this is something that's new. And um, our instructors are all seasoned uh, special operations guys with experience. And uh, we're there. If people have the will, we'll give them the skill, both hmm. mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, and I look forward. You know what? We'll we'll give you all a little VIP package for you and your bride. We'll take care of you all really good because you do a lot for our country, man, and I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you, Victor. I look forward to that. So, I am Victor Marks is your website. That is where they can get your book. That's where they can find out about your ministry. I hope all my viewers and listeners support Victor in his fight. He's doing amazing things, not only in this country, but around the world. He's got a heart of gold. He's got a message that God is using, and we need his message so much right now. The history that he has, his upbringing, what he went through, what he overcame, and how he overcame it and who he gives credit to is exactly the message that so many Americans Americans and people all over the country over the world need to hear. So I am Victor Marx with an X M A R X like you see on the screen. Uh, unless you're listening i am victor Marks.com. Get to his website, get his book and maybe join me. If uh, if you can in Colorado, I'm definitely going to be checking out your training facility there, brother. I, I would appreciate the uh, the the tour whatever you do give to my wife and I. I know we'd love it for I know we'd absolutely love it.
1: It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. Love you. Take care. Stay dangerous and full of God's love. Sounds
0: good, my brother. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. I'd love to have you back on again. That was an amazing, impactful, and insightful uh, uh, episode. But I I think there was so much more to share. We were really starting to get into some stuff, too, towards the end. So I'd love to have you back on again soon. all All right? Let's do it. All right. Sounds good, my brother. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. So friends, there you have it, man. What an amazing story. What an amazing story of overcoming adversity, being tortured as a child. And now he literally saves women and children in some of the most dangerous parts of the world. Victor Marx is a true American hero. Friends, this episode brought to you uh, also by MyPillow.com. MyPillow, a true patriot. Mike Lindell is a friend of mine. He's somebody that absolutely is not bowing to the politically correct uh, left individuals in their narrative. He's somebody that is supporting individuals like me in our fight to bring the truth to the masses. His sheets are incredible. I have them. I love them. I have his pillow topper, or excuse me, his mattress topper. Uh, Absolutely love it. It's like having a brand new mattress that's even, nicer than the mattress that we've had for a couple years that was not cheap Uh, but uh, love his mattress topper pillows I love his pillows Uh, his sheets you can get and everything comes with a 10 year warranty Uh, it's it's all amazing stuff so go to mypillow.com and use the code David you'll save up to 60% depending on what you choose you'll save up to 60% when you use the code David at mypillow.com so go there today support Mike and you're also supporting my show and my podcast and please spread the word share this podcast with 10, 15, 20 friends. Help me spread the word about the message that I'm trying to bring that you're not going to hear on the mainstream media. God bless you. We'll talk to you all again soon. Bye-bye.